Welcome to the first episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'll be your host, Alex, and for the next 30 to 45 minutes, I'll be flipping through some of today's news stories. We'll be talking about politics, technology, investing, business, basically anything that I find interesting and I believe is worth your while. And we'll finish today with a daily delight. A story that is meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now that's enough rambling from me. Let's get into today's stories. The first story I have is going to be from CBS. And we're going to talk about student loan forgiveness. The title reads, Who's Eligible for Biden's Student Loan Forgiveness Program? President Biden on Wednesday announced a plan to erase thousands of dollars in student debt loans from borrowers, aiming to help more than 40 million Americans who owe a combined $1.7 trillion in debt. Student debt has soared in recent decades, as rising higher education costs have far outpaced inflation, and the loan programs haven't kept up, with the Biden administration noting that Pell Grants once covered almost 80% of the cost of public four-year colleges, but today only provide enough support to pay for one-third. The burden of student debt has weighed on borrowers, keeping some from achieving milestones such as buying a home or starting a family due to financial constraints. But Biden's loan forgiveness program won't help every borrower, and some, such as low-income borrowers, may get more of a lift than others. Quote, the administration's actions will help ensure that pursuing a degree isn't a one-way ticket into poverty, end quote. Century Foundation President Mark Zuckerman and Director of Higher Education Robert Shireman said in an email statement, Here's what we know about the new government loan forgiveness plan, including how to determine if you qualify. How much is being forgiven? The Biden administration said that it will cancel up to $20,000 for people who receive Pell Grants, which are available to low-income undergraduate students who have exceptional financial need. The administration said that borrowers who didn't receive Pell Grants will get up to $10,000 in forgiveness. Pell Grants don't generally need to be repaid, but because they don't cover a majority of college costs, many low-income students need to take on additional loans to enroll. So this is a large part of the article, or at least it's a key point that you need to understand. The Pell Grants were very prolific throughout the 80s and 90s. I personally know a few adults in my life that uh, were put through college because of them. But because they no longer cover the same amount, or at least when it comes to the percentage of the total that you would pay for college, they don't cover nearly as much as they used to, they're becoming ineffective. Back to the article. How do I know if I qualify for forgiveness? The chief criterion for eligibility is a person's income. As the Biden administration said, it is limiting debt forgiveness to people who can earn less than $125,000 per year. Married couples can earn up to $250,000 and still qualify for the program. 
And yes, if you are a dependent on your parents, then it's taking into account their income, not yours. Keep that in mind. Because of the income cap, quote, no high-income individual or high-income household in the top 5% of incomes will benefit from this action, according to the White House. People say seeking debt relief can provide either their 2020 or 2021 incomes in applying for loan forgiveness. So what is a Pell Grant? Pell Grants are a need-based aid program that awarded $27 billion to 6.3 million undergraduate students in 2020, according to a report from the Congressional Research Service. In the 2017-2018 academic year, about 95% of Pell Grant recipients came from families earning less than $60,000, the report noted. Because the awards are grants, they don't have to be paid back, except in some circumstances, such as if a student drops out of college. Although they don't have to repay the grants, Pell recipients often do rely on other sources of funding to pay for college which means they typically have more debt than other students. One report found that Pell Grant recipients typically graduate with about $4,500 in additional debt than other students. If you're not sure if you received a federal Pell Grant, review any financial aid letter awards administered through the Office of Federal Student Aid. Why are Pell Grant recipients getting more debt relief? Because these recipients are from lower-income families, with about half of the grants going to students from families earning less than $20,000, according to education site Education Data Initiative, the typical grant is about $4,500, far less than the average annual tuition of $37,400 for a year of college at a private institution, or almost $10,000 intuition for a public college. As mentioned above, that means Pell Grant recipients take on more debt to graduate. The Biden administration believes that providing more aid to Pell Grant recipients will also narrow the racial wealth gap as black borrowers are twice as likely to receive grants as white students. So we need to take a moment and pause here. This is a very targeted, very specific way of dealing with student loan forgiveness. As this article will get into later, it does bring up um, the moratorium that Biden put on student loans until January 1st of this coming year. But this is not a comprehensive, all-in-one, if you went to a private institution to get a loan, you're going to get paid back. They're trying to address this in a very specific way. It's basically, from what I can tell, it's a tester program. They're seeing if they can actually afford to do it. Do I think that we should be using taxpayer dollars to forgive student loans? Not necessarily. But I also understand that, like the article said, it is a limiting factor for a lot of people who have come out of college. They can't start their families, or at least they're afraid to. And it weighs on them. I mean, my aunt was paying back her college tuition loans until she was maybe 45, maybe 50 years old. So it can be a burden on lots of people and really harm your upward mobility. Can I apply for student loan forgiveness now? 
Not yet. The Department of Education is working on what the White House describes as a simple application process for borrowers to claim relief. However, it may not be ready until the end of 2022. Notice that they're promising this really far out. And it will happen after elections, the coming elections in November, at least the midterms. The Biden administration plans to have the application ready before federal student loan repayments, which have been frozen since the pandemic erupted in 2020 and are due to begin on January 1st, 2023. Up to 8 billion people may automatically receive loan forgiveness because their income data is already available to the Department of Education, the White House said. Will I have to pay taxes on the loan relief? No. Because the loan forgiveness won't be treated as taxable income, according to the White House. Another key question people are asking are, are parents with Parent Plus loans eligible? Yes, according to the White House officials. That could provide relief to millions of parents who took out loans to help their kids afford college, experts note. Quote, these 3.7 million families whose parents owe upward of $104 billion through Parent PLUS loans are the hidden casualties of the student loan crisis. Quote, according to the statement from Century Foundation President Mark Zuckerman and the Director of Higher Education Robert Shearman. The median debt load held by parents with Parent PLUS loans is almost $30,000 by the time their child graduates, according to a Century Foundation study on the program. Even 20 years later, parents typically still owe about 40% of the balance, which means they're paying off the debt longer than they raise their children, the study noted, which is absolutely insane. Are current students with loans able to apply for forgiveness? Yes. According to the White House, students who are dependents will use their parents' income to determine whether they are eligible for debt forgiveness. So that's what I mentioned before. They're basing it off the parents' income if you're a dependent. So that was reported by the Associated Press. Overall, really simple story, but it just kind of highlights the current administration's policy towards students and gives us an insight as to what's co- what's to come and where we're going to be spending our money. On a different note, I have an article here talking about Bitcoin prices from Binfold. Bitcoin price consolidates above 21,000 as big move imminent for Bitcoin. In early U.S. trading on Wednesday, August 24th, the price of Bitcoin measured against the U.S. dollar is marginally down by 0.27% according to market coin, coin market cap data. Although prices have remained relatively stable this week, so far, bears appear to have a slight technical edge in the short term, with Bitcoin trading at 21,000, down over 9% in the last seven days. What's more, volatility has been reduced as a result of the pause which could indicate that more significant price moves is likely to occur occur shortly. Presently, statistical probabilities point to a more considerable move being to the downside. Notably, the asset just had a two-month rise that resulted in its price surpassing $25,000, and investors are now concentrating on cryptocurrency's next target price. 
Based on the votes of 20,683 community members, the crypto community on CoinMarketCap forecasts that Bitcoin's price will increase by more than 30% from its current level on an average of around 29,000 by the end of semester September. Note, these are not all experts weighing in on the poll. This is public sentiment. So there's no guarantee here. This is not financial advice from Finbold. They're just taking an analysis of people and seeing what they believe will happen. After Bitcoin's latest recovery amid a pulling of the asset out of the prolonged bear market, the consensus forecast among the community is still favorable. However, Bitcoin's failure to break 25,000, the 25,000 barrier has surfaced as macroeconomic worries continue to take center stage. This is due to the fact that cryptocurrency markets have reacted badly to the decision of the Federal Reserve to increase interest rates in response to mounting inflation. With that being said, cryptocurrency analyst Michel Van de Poop suggests that it would seem that cryptocurrency markets are more willing to break higher than it is to break down, he noted. Quote, It looks like markets are more eager to, eager to break upwards than downwards. Consolidation happening while some altcoins are already breaking upwards out of the construction. He added, Overall, if the euro and the USD will have a short-term bounce and reversal, I would expect risk on to do very well. I'm still surprised that the recent strength of crypto, which has been consolidating quite nicely, end quote. Despite several weeks of increased volatility, the total value of the cryptocurrency market has maintained its position above the one trillion threshold, as the market awaits Federal Reserve Chairman Jeremy Powell's address to the Global Central Banking Conference on August 26th. So, as of recording this, it is the 25th, so we'll be looking out for that information on the 26th. And, yeah, overall, I think it's a, a good trend. Personally, I bought in on the low end, so I hope it goes up, but I don't see any reason why it would go up. I also don't see any reason it would go down. I'm not a financial analyst, or at least I'm not one that has enough knowledge of the crypto market to predict where it's going to go. I think it is strong, or at least a strong indicator, that the entire market's value is still above $1 trillion. If investors or speculators saw the drop below $1 trillion, I think that could scare a lot of people and they'd be hesitant to keep buying they may even be willing to sell their assets which means the value of everybody else's assets go down and it kind of causes a, a chain reaction so as long as we don't break that below that twenty thousand dollar mark for bitcoin i think a lot of people will still have faith moving on from digital currency let's go to a different article from the other side of the aisle an article from the Washington Post, uh, from the Washington Times, it's an opinion article, and the title is Revisiting the Flat Tax and Eliminating the IRS. The next time Republicans control all three branches of the government, they may wish to visit on the uh, old idea, the flat tax. When magazine publisher and Republican Steve Forbes ran for president in 1996, the flat tax was the heart of his campaign. 
Mr. Forbes lost the nomination to Bob Dole, who lost the election to Bill Clinton. Coupled with a serious reduction in wasteful and unnecessary spending, a flat tax could revive the economy for decades to come. Forbes proposed a 17% flat tax with generous exemptions of $13,000 for each adult and $5,000 for each child. He proposed eliminating, quote, unfair double taxation of personal savings, social security, pensions, capital gains, and dividend income, effectively turning all savings and investments accounts into Roth IRAs. You deposit after-tax income, let your money multiply in value with compound interest, and then withdraw your money tax-free. So for those who don't know or aren't aware, a Roth IRA is a fund that you contribute to. You can contribute, I believe the amount is still $6,000 per year. And then after your retirement age of 65, you can pull that money out that you put in investments, bonds, tax-free. So it's a way to not get hit twice or taxed twice on the assets that you buy. So typically, you have to pay a capital gains tax when you sell investments. So if I put in $10,000 into Apple, let's say, and five years down the road, I sold that and I made $1,000. Great return. If I made that, I'd be extremely happy then not only was I taxed when I received that money from my employer, Social Security, um, 401k, state income tax, but now I'm also taxed on that $1,000 gain when I sell the stock. So this is a proposal, or at least Forbes' proposal would get rid of this, and that's why they're saying that basically everything would be a Roth IRA. Let's continue. Mr. Forbes also wanted to erase the, quote, unfair alternative minimum tax and death tax, quote, calling them regressive taxes that hurt working families, small business owners, and especially farmers who want to pass their farms to their children. I do I do have a personal opinion on this one, and I do agree. Uh, The inherited taxes in Virginia and the United States in general are outrageous. I think that they can be very damaging to families who want to keep or generate generational wealth. It really is a hindrance, and it prevents families from moving upward because they're giving sometimes up to a quarter of the estate or any assets their parents had. They're giving a quarter of that back to the state when they pass away. That can really, really dent some families that are living on low income. There is much more, including necessary reforms to Social Security and Medicare, but the flat tax was key. Democrats especially have benefited politically from the uh, graduated income tax. Through the Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center estimates, 57% of U.S. households paid no federal taxes in 2021, up substantially from the 44% before the pandemic. Democrats have repeatedly made political hay out of denouncing the rich and big corporations for not paying their, quote, fair share. The flat tax would eliminate class envy arguments, abolish the hated Internal Revenue Service, and put more money in the pockets of people who earned it, instead of sending greater amounts to the government, which only knows how to spend and misspend, 
The author emailed Forbes requesting an update, and he responded, quote, The flat tax is a simple, comprehensive, and fair. The only deduction would be for yourself, your spouse, and your children. It would also be simple for businesses. Deduct from revenue the actual costs of doing business, such as labor and materials. Investments would also instantly be expensed. With the flat tax, the country would blossom and politics would be less polluted. No more never-ending lobbying for special tax interest breaks or credits. This is true to some degree. From my understanding, while it would be beneficial, and I don't know if it would necessarily get rid of the class envy as he's talking about, because if Jeff Bezos is only getting taxed 70%, and you're getting taxed 17%, and he's making 10 times as much as you. I don't know if that's necessarily going to relieve the the envy that some people feel when looking at the upper class. I do think that it is a more fair system, but in the process, when creating this new tax code, we have to close, close loopholes. If people are really adamant about ensuring that the quote-unquote rich favor, rich pay their fair share, then these tax loopholes that they use to pay less in taxes need to be closed. And they've been put there intentionally by lawmakers, not just Republicans, not just Democrats. It's been a bipartisan effort over the last 10 years. So if people want to take this issue seriously, and they actually want to address it, they need to close this loophole and worry about implementing a flat tax. We need to address one problem at a time. The tax code is a foreign language to many. As of 2018, it comprised of 60,000 pages in 54 volumes, according to the Tax Foundation, the the nation's leading independent tax policy, 501c3 nonprofit. The U.S. ranks 21st out of 37th in the nation's in tax simplicity. Estonia has been first for eight years. Maybe we could learn something from them. Looking at states with no state taxes to see their prosperity, it is a major reason so many Americans are moving from high-tax states to those with no little to no taxes. Unfortunately, one cannot escape the long arm of the IRS. Oof, heated language. Your bias is showing here. I know it's an opinion poll, but the long arm of the IRS. I'm trying to make it sound scary. A flat tax and the elimination of the IRS might help reduce the anger many people have about Washington and big spending politicians, but that would mean Democratic politicians would no longer have the issue, and having the issue serves their political interests. I think he's definitely right. I think it's a bludgeoning tool, just as gun rights are for the Republicans. Um... And I think, personally, the IRS is a little bit bloated. I was reading an article the other day talking about the 80,000 that the Biden sorry, 80 billion that the Biden administration is trying to put towards the IRS so they can better handle taxes that were not filed properly or not filed at all, and also to close the loopholes that I was just talking about a minute ago. But that's a lot of bloated spending. If we could eliminate an entire agency by having a flat tax, I think it at least needs to be considered, or at least discussed more. Alright, 
Now we go to a little bit of international news. Taiwan proposes 14% jump in defense spending to deploy drone systems after rock-throwing video. Taiwan proposed a record 586 billion in defense spending for the next year on Thursday, August 25th, a double-digit increase on the 2022 funds for new fighter jets weeks after China staged large-scale war games around the island. China carried out its largest ever military exercises around the self-ruled island after a visit this month by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The trip infuriated Beijing, which saw it as an attempt by Washington to interfere in China's internal affairs. China regards Taiwan as a renegade province, awaiting reunification with the mainland by force if necessary. Taiwan says it will defend its freedoms and democracy. So, just so we're clear, everybody knows my stance. Taiwan is an independent, democratic nation. They are not China. The one China policy is absolute BS. And anyone that says otherwise is either trying to bow down to China or could be an informed, uninformed. Yes, come at me in the comments if you disagree. The overall proposed defense budget by President Xi, Xi's cabinet set 13.9% year-on-year increase. This includes an additional $108 billion in spending for fighter jets and other equipment, as well as, quote, special funds for the defense ministry. A statement from... Directorate General of Budget, Accounting, and Statistics did not provide a breakdown to specify where the money is going. The planned defense spending, which is a record high, must be approved by Parliament. This marks the island's sixth consecutive year of growth in defense spending since 2017. The double-digit rise on 2022 marks a sharp increase compared with the island's defense spending growth in recent years. Yearly growth has only been 4% since 2017. Statistics Department Minister Xiao Min said that the increase in defense spending will mainly go to operational costs. Quote, We always give safety and national security the top priority. That's why the budget for operational costs rises greatly, end quote. Mr. Chu said, pointing to the costs such as fuel and maintenance for aircrafts and ships dispatched to counter Chinese military activities near Taiwan. Excluding the extra budget for military equipment and funds proposed to defense spending, this represents 12.9% year-on-year increase compared to the 20. 8% increase in overall government spending for the next year. That proposed spending accounts for 14.6% of the government's total spending for the next year and is the fourth largest spending segment after social welfare combined spending on education, science and culture, and economic development. The island last year announced an extra defense budget of $8.69 billion by 2026, which came on top of its yearly military spending, mostly on naval weapons, including missiles and warships. In March, 
China said it would spend 7.1% more on defense this year, setting the spending figure at 1.45 trillion yuan, or 294 billion USD. Though many experts suspect that that's not a true figure, an assertion the government disputes. China has been continuing its military activities near Taiwan, though on a reduced scale. Live fire drills will take place in the coastal part of China's Fujian province on Friday and Saturday, just north of the tiny Taiwan-controlled Wichu Islands in the Taiwan Strait. Fujian authorities said on Wednesday, announcing a no-sale zone. Ms. Tsai has made modernizing the armed forces, well-armed but dwarfed by China, a priority. China is spending on advanced equipment, including stealthy fighters and aircraft carriers, which Taiwan is trying to counter by putting more effort into weapons such as missiles that can strike far into the giant neighbor's territory. Meeting visiting Japanese academics at her office on Thursday, Ms. Tsai reiterated that the determination to protect their sovereignty, freedom, and democracy would not change, quote, due to present pressure or threats. Quote, at the same time, as a responsible member of the international community, Taiwan will not provoke incidents nor escalate conflicts, end quote, she said in comments made on her live social media pages. So, to the rock-throwing video. Separately, Taiwan will next year begin deploying drone defense systems on its offshore islands, the defense ministry said, after footage emerged of Taiwanese soldiers throwing rocks at Chinese drones that buzzed by a guard tower near China's coast. Taiwan has complained of repeated Chinese drone incursions near its offshore islands as part of China's war games and drills after Mrs. Pelosi's visits. The brief video clip circulated first on Chinese social media before being picked up by Taiwanese media. This video shows two soldiers throwing rocks at drones that got near the guard's tower. In a statement late on Wednesday, the Defense Command of Kenmin, a group of Taiwanese-controlled islands that sit opposite to China's Zenmen and Kwazam cities, said the incident occurred on August 16th on Erdan Isle and confirmed that the soldiers had thrown rocks to see off what they called civilian drones. Taiwan's defense ministry said in a separate statement that starting next year it will deploy anti-drone systems, which will be first placed on smaller islands. Quote, officers and soldiers at all levels will continue to implement vigilance in accordance with the principles of not escalating conflict or causing disputes, it added. China has not committed to, uh, commented on the footage, which has received millions of views on Chinese social media, with users making fun of it. It has also triggered heated discussion in Taiwan, with some social media users calling the incident a humiliation for the island's armed forces and urging the defense ministry to set up its countermeasures to increasingly frequent drone incursions. The Kenmin Defense Command said the footage was another example of China's, quote, cognitive warfare against Taiwan, an attempt to, quote, denigrate its armed forces. Mr. Wang Dingyo, 
a senior lawmaker of Taiwan's ruling Democratic Progressive Party, described the incident as very serious and questioned why Taiwan's defense ministry did not respond to the incursion. Quote, the drone was flying on top of our soldiers on guard, but there's zero response, end quote, he said. He continued, if you just let them come and go freely, this was negligence of duty. Taiwan can, has controlled the Kenmin, along with the Matsu Islands, further up China's coast since the defeated Republic of China government fled to Taipei after losing a civil war with Mao Zedong's communists in 1949. At this point, China controlled territory, the China-controlled territory is only a few meters from Kenmin. China's escalating. I find that scary. If you know me personally, which not many of you probably do, I have been focused on the U.S.-China relations for a long time, or at least I've been concerned about it. I believe China is going to escalate within the next 10 years. They see America's weakness on the world stage when it comes to Afghanistan, uh, Russia invading Ukraine, and with a ever more disparate economic situation in their home country, they need a rallying point. And taking Taiwan may be that within the next few years. Xi Jinping has already consolidated power in the party, or at least he's still fighting to do so, and he's winning as far as we can see from the outside. So this may be his bold move to finish off his legacy and cement it in history. But that's a little too sad. So let's move on to our final clip or final article the daily delight an adorable black cat who walks like a spider <laughs> an adorable black cat named aries was born to a feral litter with mishappen joints in his back legs that make him look like a spider when he walks luckily a shelter rescued the whole litter aries wound up in a foster home that gave him both love and attention so that when he was adopted into his permanent home he was able to walk and play with the other cats in his new household aries appears to be completely aware of his disability in fact he is far more adventurous than many other house cats he loves to go outside he doesn't mind being put in a carrier or harness because it means that he can run on the beach go to the park or even go for a boat ride He's also very happy to stay at home where he can eat all the shrimp he wants. He's a very cute little guy. There are Instagram posts here of him out on the boat, him relaxing with his friends, and I, I've watched the videos. He does indeed run kind of like a spider. Um, if you want to see the videos yourself, you can just look up the black cat who walks like a spider. Also, down below in the description, I will be linking a uh, f magazine on Flipboard so that you can read all the articles for yourself. Well, thank you for joining me today, guys. I hope that last story leaves you feeling a little bit more positive, a little bit better. And all I have to say is, stay safe, don't die. <laughs>